Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of the Press Play and Run Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Miller. Now, normally on each episode, you get a bit of an update at the beginning from myself and my co-host, Alison Jardin, and then around our running, our training, what's been going on with the Press Play and Run community, our long run club, my ambassadorship with Lululemon. But due to the nature of today's show, we've decided to hold that off until the next episode where we're actually going to have a bit of an extended community special without a guest because we've got a lot to catch up on and with the length of this interview that we had, we felt like we didn't want to cram too much in and we wanted to give the episode the sort of weight and place that it deserves. Now, Right at the front, I'm going to load this by saying today's episode deals with the thorny issue of cancer. Beth, at 28 years old and a member of Newton Roadrunners, our guest is just a phenomenal individual, a fantastic runner, and is so open and honest. But we want to put that out there at the beginning, just in case there's anybody who's been impacted by that type of issue and might benefit from a wee bit of prior warning about some of the issues that we'll cover. So for now, you're only getting me, and you're only getting that for a couple of minutes, and many of you will probably say that that is the best version of me. So without further ado, I'm going to hand straight in to Alison and I's interview with Beth Shearer. In this episode, we're joined by a runner from close to home. As a member and coach of Newton Roadrunners, she's shown the same dedication to improving her own running as she has to supporting others and help grow the club into what it is today. Along the way, she's seen her times tumble and the achievements rack up, although not without challenges and adversity along the way. Welcome to Press Play and Run, Beth Shearer. How are you, Beth? I'm good, thank you, Ryan. I was actually laughing because in your last episode with Jim, he was talking about how it's like reading your own obituary and you said, nobody's going to be as nice as that in your own obituary because you won't be around to hear it. And I thought, oh, he doesn't make that joke in, in my podcast. We might close to the bone. <laughs> my God, Beth, we cannot bloody start there. Without context, you're going to realise... <laughs> You're going to realise later in this episode for the listeners how horrific that joke is that Beth made. So I'm going to urge you to go back and listen to what she's just said there at the end. Fuck's sake, Beth. I've got palpitations. (laughs) You'll also notice with yours that I couldn't really list that much about what you've done because I don't actually know you don't put hundreds on your social media about your running. No, I, I use Instagram more for like everyday life and highlights, but I wouldn't say it's a a running Instagram. Sometimes no. I think people aren't going to be all that interested, but they are. Yeah, they are. They are. And there's there's plenty of other interesting things in there. I think, Alison, you you were trying to do a bit of deep dive, weren't you? Yeah, I know, because I was actually uh, laughing to myself because I thought I'm so excited for this just to get to know more about you. But oh. I actually knew about you before I knew you because when I decided to, to come along to the club, loads of people were like, oh, wait until you meet Beth. Beth's done Boston oh. as well. Um, <laughs> you never know and then I was like how how am I going to know who that is and then I turned up and then I realised you were a fellow uh, Boston jacket wanker <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love my Boston jacket and do you know Cal never wears his because he keeps it special but I'm like it's there to be worn and it's a perfect thickness it's not too it's not too warm or anything like that and it, people need to know it's a perfect way to show you're an absolute arsehole along with everybody else that's managed to get to Boston. So never let it be guessed. They thought it made a wear it. Exactly. <laughs> well, it, it cost enough. You've got to get your money's worth. Oh no, we spent an f- absolute fortune in that. No, listen, listen, we don't we don't talk about <laughs> Boston wasn't expensive well, at all. Beth is actually excluded for that rule because Callum was there. So Beth's partner Bar-choo. Callum, who's also a runner for Newton, also was in Boston at the same time. So there is no hiding that cost when you're both there. No, we got all the year, like every 
piece of gear, the shorts, the rucksack, the trackies. The, oh my gosh, I don't even want to think about it, but it's worth it. You only go once. Exactly, okay. exactly. I was on, you listened to the last episode, you get brownie points for referencing the last episode, by the way. On the last episode, you would have maybe heard me calling out the 5k that was like 48 quid. And the, mm, and the yeah. Edinburgh Marathon prices. I've got mm. full intentions of absolutely emptying my account in London on all the gear that I don't need. So I, I absolute hypocrite. But I think that's a different thing. You've got a choice there of whether you yeah. choose to do it or not mm-hmm. versus exactly. like having to actually get into the race at all. I know. I always remember coming back because Sandy wasn't with me, thankfully. And uh, when I got back, he was like, you actually look like Boston spewed all over you. <laughs> it was okay it it was okay in boston because like when when we were walking around boston after the marathon we were wearing our jackets but so was everybody else in boston so everybody goes along saying congratulations you just ran the marathon and then you get back here and i went to tesco in my in my jacket the day i got home and nobody congratulated me (laughs) (laughs) what is going on you're like i need to go back to boston medal up as well in the cheese aisle going no nobody anybody (laughs) No, nobody cares. Do you know no. what they're saying? Wasted effort. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, so obviously we do know you ran Boston and we could talk about that for a full hour. But like Ryan says, it'd be quite good to, to know how your journey began because I think in some ways we're all different, but then there's obviously similarities as well. Definitely the journey of an everyday runner. I've always enjoyed being active, right? So I'm going to go back. Probably when I was at school, I've always been, I've always enjoyed being active. My parents, God bless them, tried everything to get me into all these different sports I tried they tried me in golf they tried me in trampolining swimming karate like everything and I think I was just bang average at pretty much everything and I probably didn't stick at anything either I always loved PE but you know I wasn't I was never sporty spice like I never I always get picked last I was I was last in this cross country and I just thought like you know that's that's just who I am I love I love sport but I'm never going to be like all that good at it I remember when I was younger my dad ran a 10k race and it was just around Strathclyde Park I think it was like the St Andrew's Hospice 10k race and I just thought he was an athlete like I was going into to school and telling all my friends my dad's just ran a 10k like I just thought that was amazing so I think I've like I've dabbled in a lot of stuff but I was never really into running in, at an early age, with one exception, which was I first podiumed in the Fort Patrick Fun Run 5K, and myself and my Cocker Spaniel Luca got first dog home. So I'm not, I'm not going to give Luca all the credit because he was on a lead, so I was there too. I've got a question, Beth, how many dogs were in the race? Because if you tell me two, that's less impressive. I don't you know. We were at the front, so I didn't see the ones running. Oh, that's a, aye, that's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. <laughs> see, before you go into the next bit, I just want to actually say something to, to anybody who's running and has kids or nephews or nieces or they're around them. See that story there about your dad? You never know who's watching. You never know the habits you're setting and the intention that you set. It's what they're watching and what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. And that's it's so key. It's so key. You don't need to have kids of your own to to know that you, there's somebody always watching. It might not even be a child. It might be another adult. But sorry, crack on. It's just really pertinent. And they might never know. It might be, could be somebody you're watching in a race or in, on telly or anything at all. Through uni, I would keep fit. I was in the university air squadron and we had to do a lot of like fitness tests. And But it was never like predominantly running. And I still, to that point, I never spent more than 30 quid on a pair of running shoes. Like I just went to Sports Direct, find a pair of my size and just ran in them. And then at some point through uni, I remember joining Jog Scotland, the group in the West End. It was run by a, 
guy called Alan and that was brilliant I, again I was so nervous to go because I was like oh my gosh this is a running club I'm gonna be so slow and we used to train the like fat like sessions up and down the Fourth and Clyde Canal I also joined a fabulous group called Trail Fest I don't know if you heard of them they used to leave from the kind of northwest of Glasgow it was run by a couple called Ryan and Joe who have now moved to the Alps and we used to go it was at night time and put on our head torches and run around like Mugdock Country Park, but then also like up at Dungoyne and loads of different like brilliant, quite local trail routes. But quite often it was in the dark and that was amazing. And I still speak to a lot of the kind of friends that I made through that. Beth, what age were you there at that point? This was in uni, so probably like... Now, so that's uni 19, time still. 20. Yeah. Just try to get that timeline because actually this has been quite a consistent story of running or, or athleticism compared to what yeah, we're used no, to. Yeah, no, I told you I'm starting from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think I did a few like races, maybe between 10k and half marathon. My first half marathon I remember doing was the Glencoe Trail half marathon, which was a tough one to start on, but it was amazing. So yeah, again, just kind of like running, but not, nothing too extreme or anything like that. Then, and I'm loath to say this, but, but when me and Callum got together, obviously it was a, a pivotal moment in my life for many reasons but I remember him talking to me and saying why don't you download Strava if you if you run and I was like <laughs> no 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 and Callum by the way if if nobody knows is was the first person in the world to have a Strava subscription before it was cool before everybody else had it or fully claims anyway so he was like why don't you download Strava and I was like no no I, I love running but I don't want anybody to know about it I just want to run for enjoyment and don't want everybody to see what pace I'm running at eventually I was I was convinced so I downloaded Strava he got he actually got me a watch my first GPS watch for Christmas and again I was still quite reluctant but went with it and then probably started like tracking my runs a bit more then I think another kind of key moment was I started working for Hoka so I was a brand ambassador and event staff that was absolutely amazing so we traveled I traveled across like Europe to different events we worked at the expos for like the kind of major Ironmans or like big marathons and stuff. Amazing, I didn't know that. Oh, it was brilliant. Like, hence why if you walk into my house, you'll see that we've got about 40 pairs of trainers just, <laughs> just at the door. And, and, and through that, I got to see a lot of really inspiring people and I worked with a lot of really inspiring people as well. One of the girls that I worked with, Gemma, she was, she's a brilliant runner. Uh, she said she told me she was 29 and I thought, whoa, that's, <laughs> that is, that is old. Jeez, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're in the wrong bloody company here. <laughs> no, well, I don't think it's all down. And then I remember saying she's done the London Marathon four times, and I was like, "How on earth did you get into London Marathon four times?" And she said, "I've got good for age place." And again, I just thought, "Well, you, I'm standing in the presence of an athlete here." Because I didn't realise, like, at one stage, I was going to be getting good for age places. Yeah. Through that, I think I became a total geek for running shoes and. Started signing up to more races, signed up to my first marathon, which was Budapest Marathon. I didn't follow a plan for that. I think I, I trained for it, but I was far too stubborn to follow a plan. I was like, I'm just going to go with go with my own idea. And do you know, I think it was just like in my long runs every week, I added like an extra mile or two on. And then throughout the week, yeah. I never did any speed work, but throughout the week, it just had like kind of easy running or... And to be honest, like it, it worked. Like it was fine for my yeah. first marathon. I ran it in three fifty three. I was happy with it because I wanted to do it in sub four. See, at the end of the day, if you don't want to follow like a strict plan, you can still, as long as you're building up the miles gradually, allowing yourself to rest. Like I, I think yeah. at that point, I didn't run. I never ran like two days in a row. I was always like leaving myself rest days in the middle. 
It's funny, isn't it? Because I was actually speaking to somebody at our club the other night when we were running and we were speaking and it, you kind of said there how you just wanted to get the marathon ticked off. And I'd said that to her. I said, oh, so once you've done this one, you're first, you're going to probably do more. And she's like, do you think? Like, no, I, I think it's just like that one off thing. And I'm sure what you're away to say is the same as most of us, that once you've done one, it's like you get that bug and it's like, right, what next? And as you say, you got the sub four and it's like, oh, wait, what else could I do if I did kind of put more structure in? Absolutely. It was, I think it's like the elation at the end of that first marathon and the whole way through, I was like, this is it I'm ticking it off like and then I got to 20 miles and I'm like I'm definitely going to run a marathon here like I'm definitely going to tick that box and then uh, the last five six miles I was like never doing this again but yeah. I'm so glad that I'm ticking this box and then got to the end you get your medal we sat down and it was it was roasting hot by this point actually so it was it was tough last few miles but we sat down I saw Callum and we had the they gave us a like an Erdinger alcohol-free beer and just sitting having that like ice cold beer on the grass after your marathon oh it was amazing so yeah. I think you just realize how how buzzing I was and then this is the thing I said I said these last five miles never doing another marathon and then two weeks later we did another one because I was like <laughs> It was ridiculous. It was a bad idea. I don't recommend it. But I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, we, my logic was, well, we're already marathon trained. We may as well just tick another one off while we're at that peak. It was a terrible idea. Oh, but we went yeah. and did a, it was kind of Loch Ranach, So it was like Loch Ranach marathon. It was brilliant. And I, and I was trying to PB at that for whatever That That's the terrible idea of it. I mean, if you were going to just saunter your way around and take in the scenes, then okay oh, maybe but if you're idea. flat out I mean, no uh-huh. I think I ran that like 4.14 or something like that yeah. the first the first half was great and then the second half it was gorgeous scenery and everything I wish I just kind of dawdled around it and enjoyed it but would not recommend doing no a marathon two but, weeks but after. Beth it's, a, it's actually a common thing like you see with new runners that first one you've got all the endorphins once the pain uh-huh. fades of the first marathon because uh-huh. I was the same as you I'm like fuck never again that last 10k was soul destroying. Then the pain, then the pain fades, and the, the all, all the work. And I loved the work leading up to it. That you start to remember that process, and you're like, I could go again. But uh-huh. actually, your body needs to recover. And I see, I'm seeing a lot of people, probably from our community, Alison, that are, mm-hmm. what can I do next? What can I do next? And I think you need to put the reins on sometimes and say, recover properly. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously recovery is the important thing, isn't it? And that you do learn that, um, as you say. I think if you want to do various things in quite short succession, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but you've got to be sensible. You can't PB at them all. You can go and saunter around and take it in and enjoy it. But yeah, I thought you were going to say two weeks later, we decided to sign up for another one, not actually not run. Not a run one. one. <laughs> no, no, we did one. Hey. Extreme. Uh-huh. And then a couple, of, a, a couple of days after that, we... She ran another one. No, 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 What's, what's more than a, it's a few miles more than a marathon. What harm can that do? We're already marathon fit. So, yeah. You're, <laughs> in a walking, you're a walking case study of what not to do. Uh-huh. So that was the, the Tweed Valley Ultra, 50k. And it was amazing, don't get me wrong. Like, it was, I actually enjoyed that more than... Yeah, it's um, a different, uh, I haven't just done one there. It's a complete different vibe. I could actually understand more, uh, like, going on to do an Ultra, even two or three weeks later. Oh, yeah. I would never recommend it. 
then uh-huh. I would do trying to PB another marathon because yeah. the ultra, nobody really cares about the time. You slow down, you take it in. Uh-huh. And I think it's, it's super important to have, after a marathon, to completely give your body rest and let yourself completely recover before you start training again. And I know there are people that have been, uh, even in our club, that I know that, what was it? I can't remember what order, but Chicago and then Berlin or the other way about. Yeah. And absolutely smashed both of them. Two, and, two and weeks apart, two and a half weeks, three, yeah. But I think personally, I think it's important to recover and... Yeah, uh, Beth, I don't think... There are some people that can do it. There are some people uh, that physiologically can do it. Their training will have led them there. They might have been coached to within an inch of their life to get to both of them. But there's also a chance for most people, if you do it, you're storing up... You will pay a price somewhere down the line because your body needs to recover. Now, it might you might get through those two races, but what does the next six months look like? Or, mm-hmm. you know, and there's... It's just not the way, there's nothing conventional about it, but each to their own, we're not here to preach at people, it's just experience would tell you probably now, don't do Mm. that again. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, that was that, and then, so I ticked off the marathon, ticked off the ultra, now it's time for triathlons. So, (laughs) (laughs) of course. The, my first triathlon was brilliant absolutely loved it and I was like right I'm going to do way more of these in fact it was just a sprint one that I did the first time so I was like I want to sign up for kind of like middle distance and again I was inspired by seeing when I worked for Hoka everybody doing the Ironmans and I thought that, that was like I would love to do that one day yeah. the fact they're doing like what 150 mile cycle three mile swim and then a marathon it's just mm-hmm. it's just nuts but then the big bad shark of Covid hit and these yeah. Um, triathlons got cancelled and during covid when was this august 2020 another pivotal moment um in my running journey was joining newton roadrunners yeah. i think this is the point that changed me a lot as a runner because i was way more consistent with my running loads of like-minded people much more structured weeks and structured sessions and then just generally being kind of inspired and pushed by people around you and even like I used to before I joined Newton Road Runners, if I looked outside and it was raining, I'm not gonna run. Yeah. Whereas now you meet if, if you know you're meeting at half six, doesn't matter what the weather's like, you're you're going out there, you've got to be out there for that time. I love that perspective from a different point of view because most people that we speak to about joining clubs have tended to only run themselves and are usually at the closer to the beginning of their journey. If that uh-huh. makes sense. They don't uh-huh. tend to have racked up like marathons, ultras and then triathlon type things. And then mm-hmm. you're going to a club and still finding the same benefits that a new person, a, a new runner gets, which is the people. I was just going to ask out of interest, what made you at that point decide to go from a club? Because obviously it sounds like you'd achieved loads already. Was it because of lockdown and what in company or did you just feel that maybe you wanted a change of structure? Well, we'd recently moved to Campus Lang um, and me and Callum had moved in together and there was Campus Lang Harriers up the road about... Again, we both ran, but I was like, there's no way I am good enough to join a running club. Which is nonsense, because now I know that running clubs cater for all abilities, and I think it's the best thing you can do, no matter what stage you are in your running journey, is to join a running club of of some sort. And Beth, you would have been good into that running club, because I'm a part of it, so I know what's there. You'd have been into that as one of the strongest runners, even at the level you were at, and you're you're sitting there thinking you're not quick enough to go, when you would actually be the person putting other people off now if that makes sense if they didn't know any different like look yeah. at her I can't match that <laughs> so important I think the best the best thing you can do is to to join a club and I was so nervous about it and I said for ages Callum was in a running club when he lived down south and he always 
said to me, they'll, they'll not leave you behind, you'll not you'll not be last, like they'll wait on you. And I just didn't want I said I don't want people waiting for me, but it's it's nonsense because everybody's so welcoming, particularly new and old I just think are absolutely amazing. The, the social aspect of it as well. I've, we've met all our friends through the club and it's just fantastic. I would completely recommend anybody to do it. Went along, dragged Callum along. Callum was actually when it was split into like the three groups A, B and C. He started off in, in group B as well because he was like, oh, I'm not going to be... Which um, is wild, ones. wild to me that that's where he started given who he is now. <laughs> I'm loving this. And I was in group B for a, while, for a while and this is another moment in my running journey as well that was it's quite important because I was running for a while and I saw these people and I was running in group B and I saw these people in group A and I, I just thought they were like... They're amazing. They're so speedy. I'm never. I'm, I was quite happy where I was, but I couldn't. I couldn't run much faster. And I did. I was struggling a wee bit. Then I went to to give blood one day, and they were like, "You can't give blood. You're severely anemic." Like this was definitely a turning point because to the point where I didn't know. I didn't know. It was, I didn't know anything. I just thought this is how hard it is to run, and. I was pushing myself, but that was definitely, I was at my limits, like I couldn't really go much faster and I definitely couldn't keep up with people that well, like people that were ahead of me, I was, I was quite happy where I was, but they said, you're severely anemic, you need to see a doctor, so couldn't give blood, and I actually walked out and I got, I was, I only went for, to get the, the Tunnock's tea cake at the end, <laughs> and, uh, so I walked out and I was like, I'm not giving this blood, I can't take a Tunnock's tea cake. And I went home, I had to walk home, like, with my head down, like, oh my gosh, I just wanted that tea cake so badly. <laughs> uh, went for a tea cake, came out with a diagnosis. Ah! And then to the point where the, the, a doctor phoned me the next morning and was like, have you phoned the doctor yet? And I was like, no, I'll, I'll give him my phone. And she was like, how are you feeling? Like, I was like, I feel fine. Like, we'd been out on the bike, like, done 50 miles on the bike that day. She was like, I'm amazed you feel fine because if you, see if you'd said to me you were breathless or chest pains and stuff I would be telling you to go straight to the hospital so I was quite like severely anemic and saw a doctor got my blood taken they put me on iron tablets within days I felt like a new woman like I felt like bloody Eilish McCulgan and it was almost as if and this is the only way I can describe it as if I'd been like altitude training for a long time because having low iron restricts the oxygen going to your your muscles and the oxygen that's going through your blood so I felt like I'd been altitude training and I came out of this and I just went to run an easiest run just around the kind of local area and I looked at my watch and I was absolutely flying and I, I didn't feel like it. So yeah. the difference that made was... The same effort levels are giving you a huge boost in uh -huh. pace. The same effort levels and I was going at... I remember coming back and my run had been like seven minute miles something and I was like, I, I've never run at seven minute miles. Like it was absolutely amazing. So I do urge people, if anybody thinks there's ever anything wrong with their body, and we will come back to this yeah. a lot later, if anybody thinks there's something wrong, like get checked, it's definitely worth it because the difference that made to me was, was amazing and I never knew. I've actually spoken to so many female runners that have said the exact same thing you have. And when I was back home at Christmas, uh, the girl that I went to the 10K with was saying the exact same thing. And she said it was night and day from mm. getting the diagnosis to getting the tablets. And it was like a complete, like effortless compared uh, to how you've been feeling. Yeah. And I do, I know we're not like a 
we can give medical advice on this podcast but if you're feeling like that go and get checked because I can think just off the top of my head there's five or six people that have said to me in the last year exactly what you've just said and and you just it's what's getting a blood test you know and, and you as you say especially women as well because women are quite prone to obviously having periods and mm-hmm. it can be can be very common and it's an easy fix as well it's not worth yeah even lane from her club she was the same wasn't she she went through Mm -hmm. a real dip in her running when i first joined the club and she was so down but thankfully she kept persevering with her gp and her doctor to say what and then she got the test and i think it might be the same iron type it was yeah then gets that and she's suddenly pbing at all these distances again and Mm -hmm. it's not through lack of hard work but if you're working your socks off and i don't mean not seeing improvement because that's not what it's all about but if it's Something uh, doesn't get, feel right. Yeah, if something doesn't feel right, bloody check. It's, don't Absolutely. bury your head in the sand. One hundred percent. Immediately after that, I joined Group A. This is when it was still split into like A, B, and C. Joined Group A, and my running progressed so much. Started doing the speed sessions. So much happened so quickly. Like that year was, I think, really important for me because by the end of that year I signed up to the Edinburgh Marathon again just everybody around me was doing marathons so I signed up to the Edinburgh, Edinburgh Marathon my training I think went really well for that I followed a plan for the first time aimed, started aiming to get a PB and then throughout the training block my goal came down and down to the point where I was like I really want to get sub 3.30 secretly really wanted to get to beat Calm's PB which at that stage was 3.25 I think actually so I ran it in 3.24 but because he was running the marathon at the same time, by the time he had finished in what I think was like 2.52. <laughs> yeah. So the, I missed the PB by about half an hour because because of the time he finished was like... So Aye. by the time I finished, see if he wasn't running, I would have beat him. But His PB was, was already reset by the time you finished. Uh-huh. That that's why I was laughing when you said Callum started in Group B. So I know Callum's a sub three hour marathoner. He's one of the quickest people in our club, and he's starting in Group B. I can only imagine what the other Group B runners must have thought when he rocked up to run beside them. Be like, right, mate, see you. Get to A. <laughs> Again, with, with Callum though, his running has progressed massively since joining the club and meeting all these people. And he always ran before, but he was never never as structured and as consistent and as fast as he was now. Like, um, I, when he when he started, he'd done a couple of marathons, but a good he's knocked a good kind of forty minutes off his, yeah, it's off his so inspiring. Club. That's what you pick up from people. That's that's what it does. You you pick up the learning. You can have an app, you can have a plan, you can but you pick up learning from the folk around you and you chase people at speed sessions and you hang in and you go the nights you don't want to and that's what a club gives you. Because an app because an app can't do that. Or or yeah. even a coach can't do that. People do that. No, definitely. So that went well. I ran it in three twenty four and which happened to be uh Boston qualifying time. I'm rolling my eyes because <laughs> here comes bloody Boston <laughs> one day. Yes, but because and Callum had got a Boston qualifying time as well because I think his BQ is it's sub three that guys need so he's got a Boston qualifying time and so did I so we were like well we've got to we've got to do it <laughs> time frame Beth this is only that was the last Boston marathon you guys ran yeah 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 so that so we're I mean we're right almost right bang up to where you're at signed up for Boston a few weeks a few weeks after that that we did run the Blades Ultra again just uh, on the back of the marathon which was which was good this time I think Calm came third and I came fourth in that race which was a good a good wee boost that wasn't and, two weeks later though eh? that was there was a bit more of a break there uh, it was about six weeks later or something 
Right, okay. So there's some more recovery happened. Yeah. Tell uh-huh. us there was some more recovery, Beth. Just tell us. Tell <laughs> us you learned something. <laughs> there was. There was a lot of recovery and probably some uh, a lot of eating and drinking as well to be feel. Yeah. yeah. So the following year I started training for Boston. I always take again because I've got long summer holidays, but I always take a good chunk of recovery after after the I like doing a spring marathon, having a good few months of recovery. I love enjoying my summers. I I, I like hill walking, cycling, stuff like that. So I don't want my summers to be taken up by running. So I do allow myself to go on holidays, eating and drinking and doing other... Almost activities. like two seasons. Yeah, uh, because running does take over. Your, if you're training for a marathon, it takes over your life in a, in a good way, but it does take over to the point where I, I don't do as much of the other activities that I like to do. I enjoyed the summer and then started training again for Boston come like autumn time, started building it up again. Uh, on the back of Christmas, we started training. I used the, the Fit Singer plan this time. It might put you off, but it's called Advanced Marathoning. Oh, Pete, Pete Alexander from the club is using it at the moment. Yeah, he, aye, exactly. He sent me a picture of it and I saw it in the background. Yeah. Okay, I didn't uh, realise that was the same book. Yeah, that <laughs> so is a high started, mileage plan. It is, yeah. And... So I did the the twelve week plan, um, and I was running kind of seventy miles a week for the last few weeks of the plan, which was mental to look back on. But it was it was really good, and it did it did work for me. Beth, how how are you squeezing that into your lifestyle? Because I think that's probably once you get over the I can't do a marathon part, right? You uh, get there, then the next challenge is how do I fit it into a life where now you're a teacher I don't think we've said that already so you did speak about long summers that's why you've got long summers but it also means you've got brutal work hours mm-hmm. during term time how are yeah. you squeezing 70 mile weeks in every week oh it was hard like as I say it does just take over I think there was one week where my smallest or shortest run was 10 miles and and see trying to do that and I remember thinking at the time how does anybody a full-time athlete is, is so lucky because they've got they don't have a full job but I was trying to, I was trying to do everything by the book. See, trying to go to the gym. I was trying to do strength and conditioning. I was trying to stretch and foam roll, which probably didn't happen as much as it should have. Trying to get enough sleep, so we're trying to make sure we get like eight hours sleep a night. Trying to eat and drink properly. Like yeah. I was, I was trying to do everything that I could, and it is, it is hard. It's so time consuming because you can't, you can't fit it all in, or it's difficult to fit yeah. it all in. And were I, you out I, in the morning and at night and stuff? Where you have to basically. There were some days I did like a kind of double run, so I just did a few easy miles in the morning, and then would go out at night time as well. Yeah. And to be honest, I found that quite good because the morning miles were just easy, and then later on in the evening, I would do like a session or just a more easy miles. So it, that was that was fine for me. It was just more you don't really have time to do much else other than yeah. than your and your running plan, and then obviously the big miles at the weekend, and it, like it does take over, but. It does work. I was and gonna... I can prolong it for more than that that twelve weeks. Like yeah, I that block. That. Uh-huh. It does it's intense, but it's it was quite short. Because I was going to say it's interesting because it does it consumes your life. We all know that, and we've said this so many times that when you are marathon training, you have to be selfish, but and you do. Hmm. So how did it actually differ? Because I mean, I think most of us are very conscious that we've got a partner at home or kids that and you're taking you're being away from that and that's the hard part of you know mm-hmm. the, the feeling like oh I should be at home and I'm not but because you guys not only are both runners but we're actually training for the same marathon mm-hmm. how was was there like a bit of like competitiveness there or understanding or frustrations you're both tired no I think it I think it's actually hugely beneficial because 
like we don't have kids and as you say we're both training I think it's quite it, I don't know how people do it if they've all to do all that and look after small humans at the same time I think it's nuts I couldn't even look after the, the plants while, while we were training so huge respect to anybody that has to juggle other things as well we didn't train together because Calm's always like faster than me so he does his own thing and I do my own thing but we've both got that understanding like yeah. you're not you know like there's understanding that's the main thing you've got understanding um, of what what each other are doing and i'm listening to you both as you, you're chasing a specific thing beth going into boston a time uh that's why you would use a plan like that right mm. that's not going to be i don't think that will ever be the typical marathon experience and i don't think it needs to be and allison no. you've chased the bq you've chased the times you've chased the pbs it takes sacrifice at a level that you need to be make your peace with at the start Mm -hmm. I, I was actually talking to Pete about that plan, Beth, without knowing that's what I was talking to him about because we were having a chat about the plans we're using and I'm using Cooper. And my mileage will be probably 20 miles a week lighter than Pete's. Mm -hmm. Our goal times are probably not going to be a million miles away from each other within, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. But I think you need to be in a place where you can make your peace with if you really want. If I wanted to go sub three, that's the sacrifice to do it. Mm -hmm. and, and if for somebody else. And, but... Neither does it have to be that because it, that depends on your goal coming out of a marathon for yeah, everybody. Everybody's, everybody's different as well. I think. To finish like, one might be the goal. Yeah, Simon always Simon Gold always tells us as well that you don't have to be running huge weeks. And it's all relative. Like some people are doing 100 mile weeks and yeah. 70 miles is, is not that much. But um, he always says that you can knock 20, 30 miles off a week and still and manage the PB. Everybody's body's different. Everybody responds yeah differently to mm -hmm. it and I think there's there's benefits to having a bit more rest and like I think high volume running is one kind of yeah. theory and one way that it works for some people but it doesn't work for everybody but I think it's just finding what's right for you and what can fit into your lifestyle because at the end of the day we're not elite runners we're not no, um, it's not your job it's not a, you're uh, not bringing a wage in I, but it's, it's just shows me the level I spoke about it in the introduction to the episode your level of determination having met you at the club that was what I think we we didn't run together that often when I joined the club at first actually because you would have been right in the throes of that kind of mileage you and Callum were doing a lot of your own thing because you were at a like a, a eight mile club run might not be the one for you if if your shortest run that week's 10 if that makes yeah, well, sense I tried, to, I tried to fit it in so like I remember on that run, there was like a, a mid-long run in, during the week. So on a Tuesday, I would do, it was a 15-mile run on a Tuesday, which now sounds mad, like that seems like a long yeah. run. But it was always a 15-mile run on a Tuesday, or up to 15 miles. So if the club one run was like eight miles, I would just do like maybe six miles before Meet the eight-mile run and yeah, then yeah. add up at yeah. the end. So it was good. And again, it's it was easier because we were both out and doing it, whereas it, 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 it would be harder, see, if in a couple, if one of them out doing 15 yeah. miles on a Tuesday night and the other person's stuck in making dinner in the washing. You're resty. Like if they yeah. don't if they don't yeah. sink, it's like, well, your resty is not my resty. We're not gonna see each other. That's all the pressures that come, that's when running can become a pressure. And I suppose that's just everybody's trying to ward that off, but it must help when you're doing it together. Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting as well because we keep touching on it that everyone's different. And I think it's probably really important to address that right now because so many people are away if they haven't already starting a spring yeah. marathon plan 
And it, and it sounds like we're probably quite similar, Beth, in terms of we've tried various things. Like I've done the the mental mileage weeks, um, and and like you, actually, I found when I wanted to PB, they that was the plan for me. Mm-hmm. However, you know, for York, there my training was minimal, but I still went out. I think it is. It's absolutely, and Ryan, you said it as well. See, before you even look at various plans, you, it needs to work because see, if you get into week three of doing like a sixty mile week but you're, you know, missing out on making the dinners or the kids' bedtimes or you're having to, like, run away from work and or whatever it is, make those sacrifices and it's becoming too much, that's not something you're going to be able to commit to for the next 10 weeks or whatever it is. So I think it's being realistic as well. You hear people talk about, you know, I'm, I'm doing this plan, great. That's maybe what works. But also, like we said, there's elite runners out there who actually do quite minimal like mileage weeks. And, you know, they're some of the best in the world. So just don't feel the pressure of mm-hmm. what others do because we're all different. Alison, I spoke to you before Beth came on and before we had to record. I've been caught in the comparison game this week. That's, that's why I was speaking to Pete about that plan, Beth. It was, I'm looking at where I'm at in my week two and then I know who's training for London and I'm looking and saying my god I'm 20 miles light of that am I doing the wrong thing or I, but I, I'm going to trust the process because it got me around Edinburgh with oh. a sub with a sub 330 the first time I've improved a lot since then this plan is much more it's higher volume for me than I was then higher mm-hmm. speeds and so I think it will get me there but I, I've been caught doing that thing that I tell everybody not to do which is looking at other people and saying I don't know if I'm doing the right thing well, you can. I think I know. that's the number one rule is do not compare yourself to yeah. anybody. Yeah, but it's so easy to fall into the trap. That's where social media uh, can fry your brain and strava is if you spend too much time in there. You're yeah. like, oh my God, you just see what you're not doing. Uh, exactly. Sorry, Alison, then you go. Oh, I was just going to say, one, I'm very conscious of that. So I know what I've done. And if you look on my Strava, you can see what I've done. But one thing, although I'm, I'm trying to keep people up to date with training, I'm not going to do that whole this week I ran X amount of miles because exactly what we've just said I feel like I don't want to unintentionally put pressure on people that might look and think well why did she run 55 miles this week and I've only done 30 Mm -hmm. so it's like by all means you know people are different and want to share certain things but I'm always just conscious that I don't think the comparison thing's a good thing but Alison by the same token though you've got 10,000 followers on on Instagram and for a reason they're connected to your running and they want to see what you're doing so for everybody that might feel that I think if you're going to compare you're going to compare I don't Mm -hmm. think they're going to compare because of you but how many people could learn from what you're doing too so there is a flip side there's always a flip side Mm -hmm. that comes to the the individual person needs to not get caught in that trap themselves of falling into comparison Strava is, is amazing for that kind of community of, of running and gives you a wee boost sometimes but I think you cannot use Strava to compare with other people and it's so easy to do that and go on to somebody else's run and say well they did that same run and a different pace different time but everybody's got different lifestyles everybody's got different training plans people feel different, different abilities levels and stuff uh-huh, so I don't think you can I think it's so important to run run your own race run your own plan and don't compare yourself to others how did you feel in that plan when you start hitting those peak weeks? You must surely have been absolutely hanging. I think because it was a gradual build-up, I did, I did cope with it quite well. I mean, by that stage, we were completely invested. Like I'd bought, you walk into our house, it was like deep heat and this like CBD massage oil and everything. And you go in the kitchen, it's all like protein yeah. shakes and everything was just 
fully like like the athlete the commonwealth I, athlete camp uh-huh I, I was having i was having ice baths by the way like after a long run i would go in the bath and actually this is this is really embarrassing but when i go into cold water i get really really sore feet i get really achy feet i don't know what, what it is the rest of me is fine so after a long run i would run a cold bath and put some ice in it and everything's fine and apart from my feet so I would have to wear uh, I would have to wear my socks and then bags for life on my feet and uh, <laughs> to, try and, to try and keep them a wee bit less cool and everything else so it was really good for my legs but I had to wear uh, plastic bags on my what feet. a lucky man Callum is <laughs> <laughs> no, what a sight <laughs> uh, again with understanding that you know that's for the it's for the, the greater good the long runs but yeah I think my my I did cope quite well with it and I was doing everything I could to recover. But I also did, I was getting wee boosts from, I was getting all my PBs yeah. during that time as well. And even on the back of, it was during the peak weeks that I got my PB for um, my 10K down the down by the river 10K. We we're not talking about Ryan it, Me right? <laughs> and Ryan were chasing each other around the way. <laughs> not true. Um, She's lying. She stayed my shoulder for nine and a half K then ran by me. We weren't chasing <laughs> anybody. She just absolutely horsed by me with like 500 metres to go. It worked. It definitely worked. I saw you going <laughs> into the distance. And so that was in the back of a like 60, 70 mile week. So I remember going into this thinking, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna PB here because I've got, I've had such a heavy week. But it, you just did, like your body adapts and does cope with it quite well. I got my half marathon PB, Aloha on the back of a seventy mile week, my five k PB. That was, I think that was, that was maybe after the marathon. I think. Yeah, that was that was just after the marathon. But that ten k one was actually you helped me so much to get my PB. That was my first ever sub forty, and I think well, just because. Because earlier. we were running practically on each other's shoulder, uh-huh. I stopped looking at my watch and just was concentrating on not getting dropped. And I think that can that 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 changed that race experience for me because I got to the end. I'm like, oh my god, this is on on. When you uh, ran away, even when you ran away at that point, I'm like, this could be even lower than this could be sub thirty nine at this rate. And then uh-huh. I tailed off a bit that last K, but that was a great race. That was one of my favourite races last year. Yeah, so that gave me a huge boost, and I and I, I got second female in that race as well, which again was my well my second ever podium after me. Look, I got the the first dog. <laughs> after you cheated, yeah. dog assistant. <laughs> so all these things kind of gave me a boost, and then the race went really well as, as well, and we we had prepared so well for it, and we'd had like in Boston, like there's the the hills, but we'd we'd analysed it all before, and we knew exactly how long the hills were, and exactly the inclines, and because Boston. Has has these hills in them? I made sure I didn't avoid the hills when we were training here. So quite a lot of the time in, in training runs, I was other marathons. I'll, I'll go out along the side path because it's it's flat and that's what I want for a twenty mile run. But I just tried to not avoid the hills, so I would make sure that run I didn't. Uh, and it's and it's hilly enough around here that no. if you don't try and avoid the hills, then yeah. you'll you'll be hills. I I think all all that kind of preparation meant that the marathon went really really well. I want to know about the couple of days just leading up to when you get to Boston atmosphere and mo- most people won't ever go to Boston through a variety of reasons the qualification time the cost mm-hmm. that so what is it like to be at something like that where you know that everybody is there on I don't merit such an arsey word but you know what I mean you know what I'm getting at everybody that's got there's worked to get there yeah. Oh, it was absolutely amazing. It's, they say it's the runner's marathon. Everybody there, it was just amazing. The whole the whole city of Boston totally buys into the marathon. Like the, the marathon itself was amazing, but the full weekend in Boston was incredible. 
everybody even a couple of days before people are chatting to you and they're like are you running the marathon and Yeah. um they're just like bound down to you because they're you're running this marathon all of these statues there was like wee duck statues in the park all dressed up in like boston colors just everything it's just like a kind of festival atmosphere almost It's just so steeped, isn't it? It's so steeped in the 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 history and the uh-huh the pageantry of it all. yeah and i think as well because it was it had been 10 years since the boston bombings as well everybody in the city's really proud of the marathon and they're they're almost quite grateful that you're coming and coming to support and show your support and run the marathon Yeah. despite of all the kind of unfortunate events that have happened at the race over the years Did anything else important happen in that trip? oh yeah we got engaged so uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was in new york before the marathon I know. um it was a hol holiday of a lifetime obviously and Callum always says that he He didn't, a couple of people said, why didn't you propose at the end of the marathon? He said, because I wanted the marathon to be your, like, that was going to be your highlight of the marathon, was finishing the marathon. I didn't want to take away the shine from, Oh. from the marathon. He actually Um. told me it's because he couldn't be arse waiting on you at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I would have killed him. Um. <laughs> I was going to say, imagine the fear, right, of carrying an engagement ring around the whole marathon in your pocket, pulling out a gel and being like, oh my God, <laughs> is the ring still there? I've actually seen videos of people getting engaged at a marathon. There was somebody, the London Marathon a couple of years ago, and I'm sure it was the happiest day of their life, but the guy stopped the woman a couple hundred metres before the end. <laughs> I know. I've seen this video. Stopped me a couple of hundred metres before the end, and I was like on track to get a to get a championship time for London. I'd be like, Just, I'll get you at the top. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I'm still running. So no, it was it was so nice, and we got to like celebrate the engagement before in in New York because of the the school holidays. We had to do like our the holiday part of it before, which Yeah. actually actually worked out really well because we had an amazing time in New York getting engaged. We actually ate and drank a lot as well, and again prior to the holiday, we were eating and drinking like athletes, and then we got to New York and we we're like eating bagels and like fried Yeah, food, carbolod. and yeah, uh huh, which actually worked out well, and it, we, we're still like walking. Hundred thousands of steps around New York, like fifty Yeah. thousand steps. Some days, do you know they worked out well? So And what it was was a your time in Boston? uh, three twelve. Unbelievable. And, I, and again, I was like, I set out the start of the training block. I was like, I'm just going to PB, and then at some point, I was like, oh, maybe I'll aim for like three twenty. And then in my head, I really did want that like three fifteen or three four. I said three fifteen, but in my head, I was I want three fourteen because I want a championship time for London. So that's what I secretly did want, and we always have that kind of goal in our heads of. Of course you do. actually want versus like what you tell everybody You get the championship time. So that's two people on this call have got championship time. So I'm not at all feeling in fear here. Alison, you've also got a championship time. oh then says Ryan Yes, I shall. I shall. If it wasn't for the two of your personalities, I'd feel more in awe. But, the jealousy is oozing oh, it's fucking, it's, there's some things in my life are never going to happen. And I think a championship time might be one of them. we'll send you a postcard from the starting line Yeah, I'll be in we'll the start get our line, but I'll be with the commoners. <laughs> We'll be uh, standing behind the elite. How about there with the slogan? I'm I'm going to take you into the next bit here because obviously it's not straight off the plane and, and into probably the biggest challenge of your life that you're now in at the moment. But your story has been one of the rise and rise so far, as we've heard. It started off with a horrific joke at the beginning, which is just about to make sense about feeling like when people are saying these nice things that they're 
they're, they're sort of eulogizing about you. You've been on that massive high, positive, positive, engaged, all these things. You come back and you've had an absolute bombshell dropped on your life, it's fair to say, um, for you and Callum. And yep. you have had a diagnosis of triple negative breast cancer. Please correct me if I've got that wrong. That's right. Can you talk me through the time between i know when i found out but i don't know when you found out because obviously this is a personal thing we'll go as far into or as keep this as superficial as you're comfortable with i think there will be learning in it for people listening but you need to be comfortable here so please just speak as freely or openly or say no whenever you like no i think I'm, i think i'm very open about it i'm definitely a, an open book so um i probably I'm probably more leaning on the side of being an overshare, but in in some cases I think it is quite good because I think it's important to to raise awareness and like De- maybe demystify some of yeah, people's conceptions. I, I don't mind chatting about anything. So the first it goes back to I think November twenty twenty two. I noticed a a lump on my left boob and I thought oh, that's a bit concerning went to the GP to get checked and they sent they referred me to the breast clinic um, for an ultrasound. They didn't biopsy it or anything, they just looked at it and said, we're not really concerned about it. It's common when you're, you're young, young people have quite like lumpy breasts and it's just like, oh, just be a wee cyst or something. So they sent me away and there's nothing to worry about, but if there's anything else, make sure you come back. So I was like, right, cool. Went away. Months later, we've got Boston, we've got engagement. Happy, happy, happy. It wasn't it wasn't going away. So in fact, it was, it was probably getting bigger, but I was always like, Oh, it's just it's it's this wee cyst that they've told yeah. me not to worry about, so I, I wasn't worried about it at all. And then it was just before in August there during the summer holidays. Uh, you know what it's like, Ryan, as a as a teacher. He, I was like, I need to go. I'm going to go to the doctors just to get checked out. Peace of mind. If I don't go right now, then I'm not going to the all doctors right. for yeah. another six months or something. It's just not yeah. going to happen. You never, you know, you just don't find the time. You so don't. you put it off. I, it was the last week of the summer holidays where typically you just get all your appointments in and try and get all your life admin done before before school starts back again. So I made an appointment with the GP and I, I said to them over the phone, I was like, look, this is nothing to worry about. Sorry, like I just want peace of mind. Went to the GP and she felt it and she was like, I think you're right. I think it's nothing to worry about. It's quite big, but it's it's smooth and it moves about. We'll send you up for an ultrasound just to just to be on the safe side, just to give you peace of mind. And I was like, right, cool. Went to, again, went up to the breast clinic. This was up at Gert Naval. The consultant, she felt it and she was a wee bit like, oh, it's quite, it's quite big. It could be a cyst, if, but if it's not, we'll need to biopsy it. And at that point I was like, what? Biopsy? A bit, a bit of a different tone. Aye, just a wee bit like, oh, I don't, I don't really know if I like what you're saying there. Yeah. Uh, Friday night, so we actually had tickets to the Banks exhibition. Yeah. And because it was so hard to get tickets to that, I nearly cancelled the appointment because I was like, this is nothing to worry about. Like, yeah. Me and Callum have got a, a night plan. We've got, we're going out for dinner and then we've got these tickets to, to Banksy that we've had booked for months. So I nearly actually cancelled the appointment. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. So went for this ultrasound and the same day, everything happens at the same day. It's, it's very, very efficient. They send you next door for the ultrasound. The radiographer was like, oh, I, I'm not too sure about that. Oh, we need to we need to biopsy it, and I'm just always trying to like read people's yeah. I, 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 I analyze everything that people say to me. So she gave me a biopsy, and then told you to go back into to the waiting room, and I was like frantically the googles the googling started, and I was googling everything like, oh, I don't know why she's saying that, and there was just a couple of things he said. They never they never told me anything, but yeah. there was just a couple of things I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And then the surgeon said, right, you need to come back on. 
Thursday for these biopsy results and I was like oh I'm, I'm working Thursday that's during the day that appointment is there any chance you can give me it later on in the afternoon and she said no to be honest they're shuffling stuff about to fit you in and I was like why yeah <laughs> so after they said that and the, the consultant that said to me have you got any other questions at this stage and I was like I went home to Callum I'm like why is she asking me that why why is she talking like that so went away and that week was probably the worst week because you don't know anything you get no answers and you're just imagining the worst and yeah. you're like I'm gonna die so I had this appointment I was absolutely dreading on the Thursday and then Callum took me and I hadn't told anybody at that point I hadn't told my mom and dad or anything because I didn't want to like worry them over what could potentially be nothing it could potentially be absolutely fine then Callum took me and I remember actually because I was in school so I, I left school and I was going to be out for a couple hours so I was leaving like cover work for my classes and I remember leaving cover work for the afternoon classes as well and I was like if 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 this ha if this has to happen like this cover work I don't really care what it is because if this happens then there's I've got bigger problems to be worrying about than this yeah. third class <clears throat> yeah I was like I really hope I'm back it was just it was just weird knowing that I mean yeah. I'm going to be back in school that afternoon or potentially my whole world's going to be turned upside down yeah so went back and went into the waiting room again Calm came with me and I was shaking I just felt physically sick it was horrible I was going into the consultant's room again she called me in and then said. Do you want your partner in with you? And at that point, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> Here we go. Never, that's never for no. good news, is it? No, it's not. And at that point, I was just like, oh, I know exactly what's going on here. Sat down and she just told me, like, it's came back and it's breast cancer. And she said, it's a type of breast cancer. It's got no estrogen in it, which means that you need chemotherapy. There's, there's different types of breast cancer. and Some are hormone sensitive and some are not. So my type which is called triple negative breast cancer means it's not hormone sensitive most breast cancers are hormone sensitive triple negative breast cancer is more common in, in younger people so it can't be treated she said it can't be treated with hormone therapy you need chemotherapy you need to get that first before surgery so you'll need chemo and you'll need surgery and by the way you will need to think about your fertility as well because that can impacted by by chemo chemo affects every cell in your body so yeah we need to think about your fertility first so you're going to need to go and get like embryos frozen and then start chemo and this is all going to happen in three weeks basically so and, was, and meanwhile you're trying to leave cover for a physics class but in a way i i just had i had answers so I, I didn't even i thought if i get told i'm going to have cancer here i'm going to be down i'm going to be break down i'm going to be inconsolable mm -hmm. i was fine to be honest like i was just like I, well this is kind of what i'd built myself up to and it's in their hands now. We know what it is. They're going to treat it. And I was, I was fine. You never know how you're, how strong you're going to be until something like that happens. But I was, I was genuinely fine about it. You have an optimistic outlook on life generally that comes through uh, in every conversation I've ever had with you. So I'm sure that plays a part. But yeah, I don't know, Alison, about you, but I just can't even put my head in that place. I don't think you ever could until. You're impacted. You probably. never know until, no. until, it until it's like on your doorstep. Because I think it's like you say, isn't it? You imagine how you would be, but you don't know. Exactly. Um, and I, I think like listening to what you're saying, I imagine that I probably feel a bit the same in that it was actually just a relief like to have that answer and like you've yeah. built it up. And like, because I don't know as well if it's 
like the mindsets we have like because of like the training and everything but it's almost like uh, right that's what we're dealing with how are we going to get to the end like almost make it into a bit of a plan of boom 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 there's been so many times and I'll, I'll drop this in as we go along but there's been so many times during this whole process that I've related this to running and so many lessons that we've learned from running that help you in other ways of life including yeah. including this kind of chapter and in fact when she told me that in the same the same meeting she, uh, she said you're going to need chemo it's going to be over six months and I'm thinking fuck when's London <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm counting down and I was like I said to I said to this consultant who's just told me that, that I've got cancer I said I'm supposed to be lun- running in the London Marathon in April <laughs> and she was like uh she actually she actually said oh you'll be done by April and I'm thinking well you actually do have to train for it as well but I remember thinking that and I, and, and then I asked and then I said we're supposed to be getting married in, in July as well. She's probably thinking she brought up the marathon before the marriage there. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, I was just on chronological order. <laughs> yeah, that was that. So went away and I'm thinking, right, well, we just need to deal with this then. And this is what's happened. Nobody wants it. It's, no, it's a nobody's plan. You just need yeah. to... You just need to deal with what deal with the cards you're, you're dealt. So I'm going to keep you relatively high level from here because we're, we're definitely not going to go down the, the rabbit hole of talking about your medical treatment. Like personally, that's not it's not for you to do that, and it's not for us to to pry into that. I think I'll, I know I know, but I think we I need to keep that balance between why are we here, what do you get out of this, and what do people. What could people get from this? And uh-huh. I would start by saying I remember that night we were told at the club and something off had happened with Joanne, who's a club president. She'd, she'd ran off, and I don't know if she'd met you that night or the night before or something, but she stopped somewhere that she'd never normally stop. And I'm like, there's something just not sitting right. And it was afterwards she'd gathered a couple of us that were in that sort of A group, if you like, that would run with you more regularly to say, listen, this has happened. Beth wants you to know, but right now, obviously, for obvious reasons, don't want to be having to go around 20 people and break that news 20 times. You've got your family as well, and I know your dad. Your dad and I worked together. I told you this. I think when I well, it wasn't the first time we met. It took me a while to realise that's who you were. Uh-huh. Um, your dad was a deputy at the school. I was a teacher in. You've you had to do that, but I think in my head, maybe naively, I'm thinking, well, that's the last we're going to see of Beth at the club until this treatment happens right because that's the mindset of somebody who's not had it on their doorstep. Is like I'm probably cat- catastrophizing and saying. My world would stop. Mm. Your world has not stopped. You've kept going. So I think we're going to keep it on our running track here just to think about how has the diagnosis impacted your running and also something you and I spoke about off of this, Beth, how has your running impacted your treatment? You've taken an approach where running is going to be part of what happens. It's on your Instagram bio. I think I've realised how important running is for me, but just in general. And I think there's so many lessons that can be learned from running, but again just how important it is so firstly mentally we talk about that all the time like we talk about the mental benefits of running just in day-to-day life but I think when something like that happens it keeps you it keeps you grounded it keeps you this is what I do I'm still in control of everything if I need a bit of headspace I'll go run but also running teaches you so much resilience I think and it doesn't matter what there's other ways it doesn't have to be running like you can people look are into like cold water dipping and stuff or, or gate known like resilience and stuff as well. But I think running teaches you a lot of resilience, which has helped me so much over the last few months. Like so some of the treatment that I get, if it's like painful or if anything's 
events happened where I'm not comfortable. I think running just teaches you to kind of bear it and until it gets to the point you know the time's going to pass, you know it's going to get better. And I've said this, I've said this a few times. This is terrible, but nothing that I've been through in the last uh, well, four months now is as painful as a ten k race. <laughs> Fuck like, off, me. No, seriously, I think there's. <laughs> I'm at a darker place in a 10k than I ever have been during chemo. And I think that, that a 10k is, is the most painful thing you can do. And I, and I hate I hate a 10k, in case you haven't guessed. But Come running every day, it's great. It's, it's <laughs> slightly worse than chemo. It's good afterwards, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's painful at the time. And I think it teaches you so much about getting your head down and getting it done and just being, just withstanding pain almost because you know it's for your benefit so I think there's a lot of that and it teaches you to be strong and anytime I've been out a run like the first after my first chemo session I came home and I went I got my trainers on I went a run looking back I think it was more because not out of oh I need to run today I think it was a sense of kind of empowerment and sense of feeling strong I was out and I just had my first chemotherapy that day and I felt like I felt badass I felt well, I can do this. I'm in control of this situation. And I thought, I think I thought I was going to be feeling worse after my first chemo because you never, I've not been, I've not been in that situation before. Yeah. So I think the fact that I came home and I actually felt all right, I was like, I feel amazing. It was a nice day. I, w- I went out a run and I was absolutely buzzing. Did uh, they give you advice around this type of thing or are you just sort of left to decide how you feel? You just decide how you feel. I mean, they said at this time when I was in the meeting with an oncologist, I said, am I okay to run through this? And they were like, absolutely. And there's there's actually a lot of research out there that says, and obviously I've read into this a lot, that running or exercise through chemo has a lot of benefits it can help with the treatment it can help boost your energy levels Uh, there's actually research that says that exercising through and after chemotherapy helps reduce the risk of recurrence and things like that as well which is a huge obviously huge there's aspects of that that make sense in my brain because you're you're still strengthening your body you're still you're giving it the best Uh chance Alison you're the only person i've spoken to with with a friend who's maybe been through something similar and we were speaking about that as well, weren't we? Because mm-hmm. you know Andrea, and she did things that I wouldn't have thought possible going through that. Yeah. Trip. So it's funny when you said um, that you wouldn't have expected to see Beth back after diagnosis, because if I hadn't known what I know from my friend, I'd have said the same. But knowing like Beth's mindset, marathon runner, and my friend, it's very similar. And she used to get her chemotherapy and then go out the next day and run like 10 miles. Yeah. And... The, the frustrating thing, I think, and I don't know if you maybe found this with different doctors, is when she would suggest running, they'd be like, oh, no, 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 don't be so silly. Like, why would you do such a thing? And she was like, because it makes me feel good. It's still a part of who I am. But also, if you can get go out, no matter what the pace is, and go and do a run the day after getting chemotherapy pumped into you then you know I think it's short like you say it probably does help in many levels physical and mental mm-hmm. and I just I find it amazing that like you can still go and do it but I understand why as well and I think I did mention to you when we and I guess we're going to touch on this um at the end but she did continue to train for marathons and ran them and I just think wow because you know like we said it's hard when you're fit and healthy but when you're going through uh, treatment it it just adds another big like not barrier but an element to it doesn't it yeah and I think 
the the most important thing in all of this is is to listen to your body and I'm not being I'm never silly I'm never pushing myself see if I don't feel up for it and I think that's so important because my number one goal just now is to get treated and, and get better from from the cancer it's not to I've got no goals necessarily running just now that comes after no. health yeah. obviously so I think the most important thing is to listen to your body and like I know my body better than anyone. So yeah, sometimes I will go in and they'll be saying, oh, you're you're still running. That's that's great, but just make sure you don't overdo it. I know what I'm capable of. And me going out a 10 mile run at an easy pace, I might say that to somebody and they think, oh gosh, you're, that's, that's maybe not very sensible, but I know what I'm capable of. And yeah. I know that's actually quite an easy effort for me is to run at an easy pace. So I think that's the most important thing. And it's important that I... If I'm feeling tired one day, if my legs are tired or like my blood count is obviously getting lower, just to to listen to my body there and not push it because I'm not gaining anything from no. going out and doing a speed session or going out and, and pushing myself. My heart is actually like the chemo affects, this type of chemo affects your heart as well. So I'm not pushing it to allow my heart rate to go too high, partly because I want to give myself the best chance of recovery, but also... Yeah. If, if you go in, if I go in and my blood count's low one week, then they'll push back the chemo, yeah. so that's not what I want. So I'm going out and doing what I feel like without pushing myself. And in actual fact, I've started, I've adapted to wearing a heart rate strap as well. So now I'm, I'm and there's a lot of research on this completely separate to all this cancer stuff, but I think heart rate training's quite important. So I've been going out and just sticking to a kind of zone, zone two heart rate, and I'm still yeah. getting used to that. And it does feel really easy, but it's it's quite nice, and I actually, actually love running, like just easy all the time. Yeah. It's- yeah, running's not the goal just now. Running is helping you to deal with something fairly traumatic and sizable in your life. Running, why would you be running intervals when there's no time goal attached at the very end of that? Like, why would anybody uh, ever run an interval if they're not trying to get faster? Yeah, and it just increases your chance of injury and stuff as well. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not gaining anything from that. So I'm running because because I love it because it's good for me mentally, but. Also, I've just realised like the physical people talk about the mental benefits of running so much, but you kind of almost forget the physical benefits of it as well. Like when I got diagnosed, so many people said to me, and I really appreciate that they were saying you're in, you're like in the fittest possible shape you can be to fight this, and I think it's so important to to run for for many reasons, but running like for to keep your body fit and to allow yourself to fight whatever comes whatever comes your way like during this I think I have been the strongest I've, I could possibly be yeah, yeah the strongest possible starting point yeah and even like funny story actually when I was in the Royal and I just came around it was, it was for the the egg retrieval it, so you're put under sedation and um, I was coming out with that it was like a kind of operation they, they weren't letting me away and they said the it was because my heart rate was too low, and to get the anaesthetist, the consultant anaesthetist came over, and he I just remember I was still under sedation at this point, <laughs> or partly, and then he said to me, he just came over and he said, "Beth, do you do a lot of exercise?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, I'm a runner." And I was I was half sedated. I actually remember t- talking to him about Boston. Let me tell you about <laughs> Boston. I knew that was going. Let me tell you about Boston, mate. Yes, I know it's fine, Beth. Let's move on. <laughs> I've got my jacket here somewhere. Uh, I know. And, uh, and then I just, I just heard him going away, and she's like, oh, she, she's a marathon runner. Let her go. <laughs> Do you want to follow me in Strava? 
Look at this. <laughs> Anytime I've been kind of down about it, like saying to Callum, oh, I'm, I've trained so much over the last couple of years. This is such a huge setback. Like, I'm going to be so unfit. And he said, yeah, well, you, you've started off at a much better position. So, yeah. like, you're, you're starting off at a higher, like, running the ladder. So you're only, if you if you're, if you do have a setback, you started from, from a place where you, you yeah. can afford that. You're putting your body in the best position for it. Um, and you'll get back. It's and only... you know, Beth, you know what you can do and you know how to do it. Um, and you, and that, that's about time and readiness in your body. Um, tell yeah. me a bit about the, let's let's look on that sort of optimistic path that you do. I want to know about your thoughts on the Run Pink Night at Newton. You've used it as a cause for good and you had a, you put a fundraiser up with a target mm-hmm. of something. I remember it on the night you put it up. Was it like, it was in the hundreds of pounds, your yeah, target? It was- just three hundred pounds. Three hundred pound. That's right. You put it up three hundred pound, and I looked an hour later, and I think it was sitting at about like two and a half grand. Uh-huh. Um, so tell me about the fundraising aspect of it. Tell me what that's meant to you. Tell me what people have done with you and for you. Oh, it, it's been absolutely amazing, and I, I'd always wanted to do some sort of fundraising, and just thought, like, oh, you need to do something that's that's good for the cause, as as most good ideas happen when you're in the pub. And Joanne, actually, uh, Joanne. Thorburner, um club president actually said, "Why don't we do a like a wear at pink night?" And this happened to be Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so it was quite a nice time to do it actually. Yeah. And and even in um, even in school, I as I say, I'm quite open about it, and I think it's good to to raise awareness that way. So I told everybody in school I wanted the I wanted all my pupils to know exactly what was happening, just from the point of like a raising awareness, b I didn't want to like just disappear. Like they know something's something's going on, so it's better to be open about it and know that this can happen to somebody at a young age. Yeah. Um. So it was quite nice to do a bit of like raising awareness that way. I yeah set the target at three hundred pounds, and just sharing it with the club, and I put it on my social media, and we're now at over six grand for like thousand one hundred pounds or something like that, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and I've actually just kept it open because every time I go to close it and send the money over, somebody says, have you still got your... Somebody donates. Yeah. I've got no words because people have been so, so generous. Donated and it's the, such a good cause. I think it's... I'm raising money for Breast Cancer Now, which is a charity that, does, that funds a lot of research for breast cancer. It supports a lot of people going through breast cancer and it just it raises yeah. a little bit. The way, it, the way it pink night was great as well. Just the visual yeah. of everybody representing yeah, together was... and being there. And it's the solidarity of a community is was so telling because you know, there are runners from all over the place who I don't even think you know and I know some of them. And like you, um, you don't even know each other, but they're chucking into the pot and they're they're doing their bit. It's, it's this is when you see the the beauty of the running community together when it's like that. Yeah. The actual way it pink night that we had on our on our Tuesday night run, I'll honestly never forget it. There was such a good turnout. Everybody, I just remember everybody wearing, even though they didn't have like a, a pink running top, they were wearing like those random pink items. As close as they could. Uh huh. And um, uh, it was it was so nice. And I think throughout all this, again, being part of running a running club is like the social side of things and. I, they've just been so so supportive and I cannot imagine going through all this without being a member of Newton Old Runners because again straight after diagnosis you, you just go along tonight no matter what it is you can chat to people there's everybody's 
super supportive. One more question I want to ask before I'm going to ask Alison to sort of bring us in and land the episode at the end with our usual outros. But I want to know about London. Prognosis is the wrong word in this context. That's That would be the darkest of humour. What's the <laughs> likelihood of you being on that start line and from the championship pen? I still really want to do it. Now, I'm not, if I, if I manage to do it, I'm not going to, I'll be like dawdling around it. I'll uh, definitely not PB or anything like that. As I say, I'm not <laughs> Aye, right, okay. that was um, That was understood. <laughs> but, um, I think I keep thinking about it, and I'll keep thinking I'm just going to be this little this little egg um, running the championship. People are going to go off, and then there's just going to be me little egg. Like you like that night. person that's got the washing machine on their back or the diver suit <laughs> on. I still really want to do it. The annoying thing is my surgery is planned for three days before, as it stands. Okay. So if that is the case, then it is an absolute no. And I did ask the question, and they were like, "No way in hell." Can you run a marathon after after yeah. surgery? Because it's just not not clever. If that changes, I st- I still want to do it. I'm still going to keep a place. I'm still going to I'm still going to aim to do it. Can you defer a place in the championship? Pen does that does it work I like that? No, I don't think so. No, uh, I don't think so. But I would ask if yeah. you have to because it's like exceptional circumstances. Um, but I think for just now, positive mental attitude, you'll be there. Yeah, I'm. I'm aiming to be there, and, and until the last minute, until it's and yeah, I plan to be there, but we'll see. We'll see. Beth, you've listened to the podcast before. You know how we 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 finish these episodes. I'm not even going to do the niceties with you until the end. We're going to do the quick fire questions. We're going to get your song choice, and then we'll say the nice things about you and see who greets first, right? Okay. It won't, <laughs> it won't be you. You managed to speak at the at the where at pink night and didn't greet. I was like, man, that's nails. That was impressive. <laughs> um, and Alison, you're going to take your first crack at the quickfire round. I am, if I can read your writing. Are we ready, Beth? Marks. Get set. Go! Favourite running shoe of all time? It's going to have to be the my Nike Alpha Flies. Favourite training route? Has to be a trail. I'm going to say the West Island Way. Oh, okay. I think I know the answer to this one, but proudest running moment? Oh, it's a tough one. <laughs> I think it'll have to. I think it'll have to be Boston. You've yeah. run Boston. You should have mentioned it. Did I not tell you that, Ryan? No, no. We should speak yeah, about that at some point. Definitely Boston Marathon coming down. Uh, coming down uh, Boylston Street would be the one. Uh, Edinburgh Marathon was good as well. In actual fact, I loved Edinburgh, the finish of Edinburgh Marathon because all my family were there as well, and across the finish line, my mum, my dad, Luca, my dog was there as well, and that was. Um, that you was have amazing. to pick one, you're not getting two Boston, Boston Okay. This is exact same conversation we had when I did my quick fire <laughs> You've got to pick uh, Worst running or race experience It's going to have to be a 10k If, if you don't already know, it, I, have, I hate a 10k Just say 10k, I mean we 10ks are hideous All, all 10ks yeah. <laughs> except, except down by the river Except down by the river When yeah. you beat Ryan, yeah, that time Again <laughs> Go to race nutrition. For for Boston I use Morton gels and that was that was good, but I also really like active route. Yeah, I like the taste of it. If you could run alongside yourself as a beginner runner, what advice would you give yourself? Um I would definitely say slow it down, don't worry about pace. Like the pace will come. I think you're better to just run at a conversational pace. Take it easy. It's better to do that than to run too fast, be out of breath, stop run again too fast stop like I think so just 
slow it down and take it easy and enjoy it. One inspirational Insta profile that you would never skip by. Eilish McCogan, probably. I'm a huge um, Eilish McCogan fan. We actually, I met her a couple of times at the Scottish Athletics Awards night and she was so, so lovely. And I just wanted to be, to be best friends with her. So I'd just pretend <laughs> I am when I'm on her Instagram. Um, <laughs> I, I'd love her. Like, she's so, she's so inspirational. She, Shows like the highs and lows of running, and yeah, she's just an absolute babe. Well, we can we can be friends with her in April when we're behind her. Uh, you, you can be <laughs> made up friends with her as you stand behind her in the queue. Like, hey, it's me. <laughs> like, hi. <laughs> Run with or without music. Um, if I'm running myself, I like running with music. Unless I'm on a trail, in which case I think I, I prefer the silence. But definitely running with music but if i'm running with other people then uh, i'll uh, i'll talk to them <laughs> sometimes <laughs> if you must yeah. uh, fa- <laughs> favorite park run i've not really done that many park runs i'm still at like under 20 park runs but if i had to pick one probably strathclyde just because it's probably where i would know most people and i just like a wee like a wee gab and it's nice and flat yeah. Uh-huh. Best tip to get out of the door to train or run when motivation is low. Just put on I put on some good tunes and I just always remember that you always feel better. I'll feel better in a mile's time. Yeah. Always feel better afterwards. And I always say if it's like if it's not if it's not going well, just go out and do twenty minutes or something. But you always go out for twenty minutes and then end up having a great time and being out for longer. Finally finish this sentence i press play and run because i press play and run because it's good for my physical health my mental health and socially as well and you feel empowered it makes me feel strong beth before i go into the platitudes at the end and embarrass you i need to get your song for the press play and run playlist which is on spotify so we're up upwards of 30 tracks now we've shared the link on the episode description every week bizarrely people actually dm me and ask me for the link to it it's it sits on spotify it's in the links in our bios and stuff like that but it's it's become a decent playlist i ran with it last week and it's actually mostly decent except Chesney Hawks now has been added. But can we have your song that wouldn't ordinarily come out, your rotation playlist, something that really gets you going and helps you go over those hard yards? This is going to be so cheesy. I wish I could fix out something really cool. It's going to have to be something that's always been in my playlist since day dot. It's, it's going to have to be a GBX number and it's going to have to be... Oh, I'm alive, Celine Dion, GBX version. Oh Jesus Christ! Love it. I'm alive. I've got a top three, and they're all they're all GBX. But that's what gets me going, and I just I just feel like I, see if I see if it comes on, and I just uh, I just feel fucking let's do this. just feel I feel like I'm running. I feel like I'm Elish Recogan when I'm when I'm running. <laughs> And these songs come on because... Uh, listen, every speed session, I, that's the type of music I need to have in my ears. I don't even hear the words. I just need the beats per minute mm-hmm. and something to be roaring in my ears so I can't hear myself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just get it done. It does something. It definitely does something. Uh, there's an extra gear, I think. As soon right. as that comes on, you just step The up playlist is sadly lacking in GBX, so I think uh, you and Joanne Thorburn have actually the only two that have gone down that track. So <laughs> that must tell you something about the Newton area, that this is the, <laughs> the songs of choice. Yeah, but Beth, we've taken up a lot more of your time than I think I asked you for. 
mainly because your story is almost in two parts, but inspiring in both. I'm already inspired by you as a runner. I was the day you ran past me at the 10K. I had to bow down to you then. <laughs> what, what you do at the club and how you've always held yourself since I got there is hugely impressive. You and Callum have been a huge support to me in my running as well. Brilliant fun to be about. But what's happened since has just solidified the person you are and that optimism. I don't know where you find the strength. I don't know where you find that optimism. But I know the impact that has on the people around you. So we're absolutely at your back. Everybody in this community will be. Alison and I personally will be. We can't wait to do more running with you. And if there's anything we can ever do to support your cause, the fundraising, anything like it, you just say the word. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for thank you for having me on. And if you see me out out running and I've entered my full Voldemort era, then give me a wave. <laughs> Listen, I've I've been there for years. It's fine. I've got a buff for you. <laughs> Me and Ryan uh, run together. Exactly. They won't know who's who. Until <laughs> we turn around, I've maybe the facial hair will be the giveaway. But now, do you use soap or shampoo in your in your head? No. Yes. Either both. <laughs> Toothpaste. Both, like, like. <laughs> Shower gel. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll exchange tips. This is the first time being balls ever come into its own for me, Alison. First time I've ever been asked for advice. <laughs> um, yeah, Alison, anything you want to? I'd... No, I just want to say thanks so much because like Ryan said, I mean, since I've joined the club, like you've either been there supporting or running. Um, and I just think that the fact you're continuing to do this and folks in London is amazing. And when we speak about motivation, I think a lot of people listening to this will find you are the motivation because if you can get out the door, then everyone can. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So, so well said. And that's all been far too nice. So the last thing I'll give you is a challenge. <laughs> if you're not down by the river this year, you're a shite bag. Right. So if you want to run zone two, I'll race you. Right, I'm going to, I'm going to reclaim done. my crown, Alison. <laughs> um, no, Beth, I'll see you soon. But thank you so much. And Beat a cancer patient, that's your goal. I, I, well, I won't write that when I'm putting the thing in Strava. Right? It won't be in my description. <laughs> we all know that between us, but I won't stick that there. It's like, I, I won't beat Callum, but I'll beat Beth this week. That'll be fine. That's what I, should, I, I want. I kind of want to run with a sign on my back saying, "You've only beat me because of cancer." Yeah. <laughs> Here's your goal. <laughs> wow. Beat the egg. <laughs> well, we started with dark humour. We're finishing with it. So thank <laughs> you for that. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. I'm going to land us out now. So thank you very much for your time, and thank, thank you to you everybody so for listening for to this. Me. No problem at thank all. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you to you, the listeners, for joining us for another episode of the Press Play and Run podcast. You can really help to support the podcast by subscribing or following on your podcast platform of choice and by leaving a review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Press Play and Run Podcast and to add the Press Play and Run playlist on Spotify. We'll be back every two weeks with new episodes and please be sure to keep an eye on our Instagram page to find out which guests will be joining us. Until then, keep getting the trainers on, press play and run.